Oh my gosh, is that Jake? Hero of of space and, and our hearts? Jake, what are you doing here? What can you tell me about the Citadel? I can't tell you tell you much. Uh, honestly, I can't. I mean, hopefully throughout this podcast, I can tell you more. But, you know, speaking of which, could you, like, uh, could you endorse this podcast for us? I'm Human Jake, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Hello, fellow space travelers of the galaxy. My name's Cameron. And my name is Jake. And welcome to Region Unlocked, the awesome video game podcast where me and Jake, Jake's in Japan, we talk Hi. about video games, and uh, that's it. You, you know that. So Man. today we are recording. It is August 27th and 28th, 2023. Jake, how you doing, man? Doing A-OK, Cameron. It's a beautiful morning here as it's evening over there. And just enjoying life in Japan as usual with lots of lots of video games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you have things to say? Like, what games are you playing? Are you playing things right now? Uh, let's see. What am I playing right now regularly? Oh, I got right back into uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I finished that game again. Uh, oh, have you? And okay. Let me tell you, every time I play that game, holy cow, it's like that's one of those very few games where you could just play your entire life and you will still discover things. Yeah. And I don't know. I just I played it the second time around and it was even more impactful. Just things land. Wow. That's just that's one of those tear jerkers. Yeah. Holy I, guacamole. I do want to play that game because I loved the first one. thought the first one mm-hmm. was so good. And also very emotional. But then as this game was advertised, it just seemed so overly realistic to the point where it's like, this seems tedious and and <laughs> not uh, what I want from a video game. But then, you know, I still hear incredible things about it. I don't hear any complaints about, oh, you have to, you know, you have to heat up your coffee and walk it over to the fire and, <laughs> you know, yeah, do all that was this my stuff first... like that. When I first played it and I first heard about it, that was my reaction too. But mm-hmm. once you actually devote the time to it, because this game does require that you devote the time to it. It's not a casual game. Right. You will get so invested. It's not even funny. Like, it's it's almost like a life simulator in a way. Right. <laughs> that takes place in 1899. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it again, but a little yes. frustrated you haven't been playing Zelda because we, you know, we got to talk about that here soon, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was my link frustration voice. You're right. Mm. I have no excuses there. Oh, and I've been playing Subnautica. I beat that game too. Okay. Another emotional game. Holy cow! I was not expecting that kind of a deep plot line. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize there was plot to that game. I thought it was just a creative mode type thing, or slash survival. And there's a cool, awesome, deep story. Okay, it's pretty cool. So, what about you? Let's see. What have I been doing? I don't think I've played any video games since we last talked. I did buy God of War Ragnarok. That was on sale. Haven't started it yet. But I actually just two days ago got to go to a legit old school Halo party with like 14 people. It was so much fun. I miss that 
so much. And it was great because all those people, they're pretty local. Uh, no one traveled too far to be there. So it's like, okay, we did it. We pulled this off. That means we can do it again, right? Hmm. Not just like a once in a lifetime thing. So it was like a surprise party for a, a friend's birthday. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And I felt so proud and uh, egotistical after I left because <laughs> I I still pretty actively play Halo, play Infinite pretty often, and <laughs> I dominated. I <laughs> just cleaned up, and I was uh, I was the one that people are arguing like over which team am I on, and it <laughs> felt good. I felt really good. Wow, that's awesome. So, like, was that party represented very? accurately like were the same kinds of snacks and sodas in uh, <laughs> in uh yeah th- there was no doritos or anything but there there was mountain <laughs> dew but oh boy. Uh, you know we're all in our 30s so there was other drinks as well <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure that's exciting oh you know what one of the things about that that i really mm, i miss now but i didn't at the time was when you eat all those delicious cheesy snacks it gets all over your controller and i would always like have to clean it afterwards and i would get so angry (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think i was always pretty good about that about keeping my controller clean but good that was wonderful um i've been watching lots of anime as you know (laughs) i finished season one of jujitsu kaisen which ended up being really good i think that has some of the best animated action uh, in, in any modern anime that I've seen so far. And, you know, I've watched a lot of good stuff, but mm-hmm. just the, the visual effects and the fighting is really, really good. And so I enjoyed that a lot. I stopped at the end of season one because right now season two is actively coming out and it's only like five episodes in. I just, I don't want to deal with watching one a week. So mm-hmm. I was looking at the release schedule and they won't all be out till like January. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll just wait till then, then I'll watch it because I've got plenty of other stuff I can watch until then. Yeah. I uh, started watching Zom 100, which unfortunately that is a, a weekly one I got to catch up or keep up with. Uh, but it's really entertaining, I'll say. Very funny uh, where it is, and, and maybe this is something you understand, it is this Japanese kid in his like, mid-20s who is just being exploited being worked to death never leaves his office like he's there uh (laughs) constantly only goes back to his apartment to sleep that's and even then it's sometimes he's not going to sleep while he's at his apartment you know it's driving him off the deep end and then one morning he wakes up and the uh zombie apocalypse has started (laughs) and he is so freaking happy he doesn't have to go to work and so (laughs) Everyone else is like terrified for their lives, and he's like going to the supermarket to get more beer. He's just so excited to lay around and do nothing all day while people are dying around him. It's really fun. I like that a lot. That's uh, there's almost some social commentary there. I feel like, yeah, from what I've heard, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's funny though. I have to check that out. You ready to talk about uh, our content for today? Yeah, let's get into it. This episode has been a long time coming. 
I wanted to talk Mass Effect back when we were in season three talking about Xbox 360 games. Jake had never played it. I think he had he had borrowed it from me for a while and then just mm. never did. And it's probably my favorite series of all time. I feel like there's a lot of weight on this episode where like it has to be really good. <laughs> like like we should have planned really hard. But really the thing about Mass Effect is that it did this incredible thing where your decisions from game one transfer all the way to the end of the trilogy. And still, I've not seen any other series attempt it, at least in this capacity. It, it's incredible. And, and really, so what I want to talk about is like, yes, we're going to go over the main story points and a few fun facts. But really, I want to know how our experiences differed or were the same uh, because you really just kind of craft it. It's a, it's a choose your own adventure again in ways that we haven't seen before. So mm. I'm just excited to, to really know what you thought of this game and mm. it was it as impactful as it was for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's everything you, you just said about mass effects is very true because I noticed it as well. Even many, many, many years after it came out, uh, well, in video game years, I should say. So, <laughs> when I, no, what do you mean by that? How's a video so, game year different? I mean, it's like it, it's been a while since the game came out. Oh, okay. you know, I, yeah. just in life, maybe not that long ago, but in video game years, yeah, that, that's a decent amount of time. But right. uh, it, it was uh, an idea that I had never seen before, and still haven't seen, in that. It's um, it's a very personalized experience. It's almost like a visual novel in a way uh, mm. with animations. And like the focus is not on the combat. Like, yeah, it's a big part of it, but that's not like the focus. The other half of the focus is uh, the story, which I'd say gets even more, um, I'd say the story and the cutscenes, which get even more, I think, attention in a way. And that's what I really focused on and what I spent most of my time with was really getting to know the characters and trying to really get the, you know, background of the story. And it was unique. And that's what really sucked me in. That still holds up to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, like, who cares about how aged the graphics are? I mean, they're still really good. But <laughs> it's the idea of the story. And uh, that's what really drew me in. Yeah, that's what kind of inspired me to do the second one as well. And what uh, is keeping me going. So I really liked it. Gotta okay. say. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm eager to hear more. So uh, let's start off with a few facts here. So the game came out November 20th, 2007. So you're right. That was a long time ago in gaming years. <laughs> and this was made by BioWare. BioWare before this was known for some RPGs, most notably Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. This is the one that was very well loved. But yes. I remember it being on OG Xbox and I didn't have that. So I never actually played this game. Did you? I did. Knights oh. of the Old Republic. That was one of the few big games I had on PC that wasn't a tycoon game. <laughs> yeah, I played Knights of the Old Republic. That was, now that you mention it, a very similar style to right. Mass Effect. And I never thought about them being the same developer. Wow. Yeah. So I guess this was them taking that success and putting their own spin on it, making Mass Effect one of the, again, best RPGs ever made. But I want to start off with how I kind of heard about this game like i think i had friends that had played it but really it was this stupid when i say stupid i mean stupid <laughs> sexual controversy around this game and <laughs> what 
if you've played this and Jake knows like, yes, there are relationships you can bond with, I guess a, a partner and near the end of the game, there will be a sex scene with that partner. And I guess at first thought, uh, maybe in 2007, you're like, Oh my gosh, there's sex in the game. But if you played it, you know what I'm talking about? It's no worse than something you've seen on primetime TV. Mm. Like this could air on TV and people would be fine with it. Yeah. But maybe since it was the first thing, the first time we saw this in a video game or at least on a, a more national scale, but I think <laughs> anyway, let me get into it. So there is a scene at the end of the game. It's very brief. It's very short. It's very tasteful. And yeah, it's not graphic. <laughs> and I think it feels earned too. Like I think it, it suits that relationship very well and it makes sense. However, around the time this came out, there was this guy, uh, this conservative blogger named Kevin McAuliffe. And I don't know what he was smoking and what possessed him to put out this blog. But he puts out this blog just full of complete lies about this game and what is happening in it. And just sells it as just this like sex fest of a game. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so here are some quotes. Uh, first off, it says... He says, Mass Effect is marketed to 15-year-old boys. And it's like, eh, no. I mean, it's rated M. Mar- How do you know it's marketed at 15-year-olds? I mean, it's marketed at 17-year-olds, <laughs> so not a huge difference. But anyway, he says, players engage in the most realistic sex acts ever conceived. What? The players can customize the avatar's body and breast size. What? Players can... <sighs> Hump in every form, format, multiple gender-oriented possibilities that they can think of. That you basically that you can invade other players' games and rape them, essentially. Oh my gosh, it's insane! So this is just a few, a few little quotes out of this blog he posted. Don't know why. Like, do not know why at all. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And then, of course, Fox News gets a hold of this. <laughs> it's on TV. Everyone's talking about this sex field romp through space. <laughs> and wow. So I, right. I watched I watched the clip on Fox News and it's a joke. So we've got the I don't know, the the news anchor who's like kind of hosting this panel and she's talking about all this stuff, this controversy, and at the top of the screen it says sex box, you know, like Xbox. <laughs> Hmm. And so then she has this argumentative panel where she has Jeff Keighley. And if you don't know who Jeff Keighley is, he's he's pretty big in the world of video games as a journalist. And he hosts like the Game Awards every year. Uh, he's best friends with Hideo Kojima. He's in uh, like his likeness is in Death Stranding just because <laughs> they're best friends. So anyway, he's on here. Yeah. And then they have this woman she had just put out this book. And so maybe they threw this all together just to help promote her book or something about how I guess influential media is on young minds uh-huh. and no one other than Jeff Keeley had played it, uh-huh. knew anything about it. And so they're just, they're going on and on about how disgusting this is. And uh, it's just awful. And, and Jeff Keeley's just like, yeah, but, it's not it's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and he's saying the same things that i said here when we started it's just uh-huh. like yeah there's a sex scene in it but that is like a teeny tiny insignificant fraction in what this game is uh-huh. and, 
and they're just going on saying all this stuff. It's like, nope, that's not true. And they're talking over him. And the psychologist who's got her book out, she's going on and on. And he's like, but have you played it? And she's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But they keep criticizing it. It, it's wow. like it's so painful to watch it's on youtube if, you, if anyone wants to look it up and jeff he, he barely gets to say anything about it and then they just kind of cut away and then then she's got her panel of other fox news people sitting in the studio and she's like oh what do you guys think after all that and they're like oh yeah i'm not playing that this is i can't believe this exists i don't know what they were expecting i mean i guess you know it's it's the news they're just wanting views and they're wanting pointless opinions but if they were trying to dissuade 15 year old boys from playing this game, it had the opposite effect for me, right? <laughs> like I'm in high school and I haven't played this game and I hear all about this stuff. I'm now interested in this game, right? Yeah. And it gives the game a lot of attention now. Yeah. So everyone's going to want to play it. Exactly. It's definitely one of those no such thing as bad press situations. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. But, um, but yeah, it's it's how I heard of this game. And hmm. I'm glad I, I did. <laughs> yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. I did not know any of this was happening. Then again, I never played the game until like I came to Japan. But yeah. like this game is not that's no, you can't do any <laughs> of that in this game. It's it's a space story. <laughs> about, you know, friendship and, you know, uh defeating evil. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Huh. Well, I see. Very interesting. Well, I got to say that I enjoyed the game for the right reasons. (laughs) Well, good. So let's just kind of get into it. We're we're not going to talk about one too long. We're going to try to talk more about two throughout the rest of this episode, because I think that's uh, got more of an impact on us. But one, man, it sets the it sets this tone so well. Mm-hmm. of just kind of building their own lore and universe. And I think just being on the main menu, the music. Like, ah, it's just that future synthwave space stuff that just, it makes me so happy. Yeah. Great music. Yeah, you're right. That music. And when you hit that uh, press X to start the game, yeah, it's like in key with the background music. I don't know why I noticed oh, that, it? but <laughs> it's kind of nice cool. Touch. Yeah. It is. And, you know, you were not kidding when you said they built their own universe. I mean, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. So feel free to, to stop me to add anything as we go that just stood out to you. Mm. But let's just kind of talk about kind of the the main decisions that mm-hmm. have weight. And I guess the story attached to them. Yeah, yeah. But I guess actually before we get to that, let's talk Citadel. We go on a mission uh-huh. and then we end up in the <laughs> Citadel, right? Yep. What do you think of Mass Effect 1 Citadel? Mass Effect 1 Citadel, I enjoyed it, um, but this was one of those instances where I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to want to get the most out of this game, I have to devote myself because it is huge and it's mm-hmm. very easy to get lost in. So yes. just the sheer size of the Citadel, which is like the big uh, rich space city, by the way, that Shepard has to walk through. And... Once I sat down and devoted the time to it, I got into it. But you have to really be committed. Mm-hmm. That Citadel's big. I mean, it's beautiful, <laughs> but it's huge. But but it's huge in the wrong way. I feel like it's just, it's too spread out. Oh, yeah. 
just things are really far from each other. Sure, there's uh-huh. the fast travel system, but uh, like on the Presidium level, where you have to like go over a long bridge to get to one side and then back side. And like the first time I played this, I was in the Citadel for hours before like moving on to the next quest, just because there's simple little side quests of just like going around and talking to people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also just kind of finding my way around. It, it's pretty mm. disorienting. It is. And everything looks the same. Everything's like a white futuristic metallic yeah. type yeah. thing. But yeah, at the same time, it's it's just peaceful too. And, and part of that is just the background music while you're there. But yes. the Citadel, I think, vastly improves after this. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, as we leave the Citadel, now as a specter... Do you remember what the order that you did it was? You could either go to Novaria, Pharos, or wherever Liara was. Uh, mm, that's tough. I think, I think I probably went wherever Liara was because I mm-hmm. remember wanting to make her my romance choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I don't really remember. It's been a while. I'll say, this first choice uh, made me give up on the game the first time I played it. So our friend Malcolm. He let me borrow this, and I, I had it forever. And then when I finally played it, I chose... It was like the engineer where like snipers were their main weapon class. Uh-huh. And when you go to rescue Liara and that Krogan Battlemaster shows up, that little mini boss fight, I just could not win. I just hmm. died over and over and over. And like that's a pretty big fight for not really knowing the controls of that game that well, like Mm -hmm. how to use your squad mates and their powers and things like that. I just didn't really understand it. And so because of that, I got stuck on that forever. And I think I just gave up and gave the game back and then didn't play it for another like two years. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm sorry that uh, the first round was not so good. Mm. After that, let's, let's say Pharos where you have to fight the Thorian. So, Right? Yeah, the Thorian. Sure. <laughs> I can see you're uh, struggling to remember what I'm talking about here. Yeah. So this is the one where it's the the space colony, and they're all being kind of mind-controlled by this giant plant monster. Okay. You fight the plant monster's clones of this green Asari. Jake has completely forgotten. How long ago did you play the first one? It's been a while. Um yeah. Oh, I remember this place. (laughs) Yes, I remember this place. Oh my gosh. I spent a lot of time just like looking around and trying to really get my, uh, get like my foothold because there's a lot of stuff you can like open up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I'll say I replayed this game this summer just to get ready to talk to Jake about it. And I hadn't played it since college. And it's a slog. Like I had to text Jake and be like, good for you for actually finishing this because (laughs) the first one has not aged well it is very much a relic of 2007 and especially with those uh especially with those um anomaly missions where you just land on random planets like everything is so far away Mm -hmm. you have to like drive so far yep yep i know what you mean yeah so when i replayed it this time like i didn't do anything extra i didn't land on planets i just i just mainlined the story and got out of there uh-huh. Got to two. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> yeah. So I guess did you play good or bad? I played very good. 
Okay. I had to get those Paragon points. I did not want to be Renegade because why not? I like I He's just he's such a good guy when you play him good. It's like, yeah. I wish I could be as good as Good Shepherd. Exactly. I want people to like me. I want to be nice to people. I don't want to screw up anything in the future when this save transfers to the other games. That kind yeah. of thing. Did you customize your character at all or did you leave it default Shepherd? Well, I, I let his armor change. I, I remember changing his armor. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the only I'm talking facially. I did. Uh, nope. I didn't do anything fancy. Yeah, I don't either. I always leave him default. And uh-huh. really, it's because I think the, char- the customization options aren't good. No. He's the only one that has like a very unique face. It's like his face was not made using the character generator. Uh-huh. I think all other NPCs were made through that generator and they all look a little different, but his face is more unique and mm-hmm. you know, there's just a little more life in his eyes. Cause I've tried playing with a custom character and they just, they just don't look very engaged. No, nah. they're, they're very boring looking regardless of how much effort you put into it. That's true. And you know, even Shepard's face normally is not very, um, He's got a very blank stare in the first game. <laughs> kind of in the second yes. game, too. But again, yeah. graphical limitations, I think. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Novaria, where you're, uh, you confront Benezia, who is Liara's mom. Did you take Liara on this quest? I did, actually. Yes, I remember this. So, yeah, that's just an interesting thing about that, how conversations throughout all the games differ based off of just what squad you bring to that quest. Yes. They all have different perspectives and inputs on what's happening. Again, yep. I just I can't believe the amount of voiceover work mm-hmm. they have to do. How many lines are hidden in this game that you will never see? Just yeah. for every single possible outcome, they recorded something, and that's just so impressive. It is. There is so much dialogue from, there's unique dialogue from every single person, depending on where they are at a particular time. Right. So, like, it, it's hard because you want to hear what everyone says. Um, I even got online sometimes and thought, okay, how can I trigger this random rare dialogue? Or I want to hear it this way. Or what happens if I bring this person on this mission? Yeah. It, it's it's kind of a cool thing to look into. But then again, if you don't, it, it, it kind of creates more of a mystique. So. <laughs> that's true we, i mean we have the gold age of youtube where yes yes you can l- immediately look up the outcome of any decision yeah no more game facts <laughs> which is nice it is nice to see because I, i've definitely done that a lot in two because in two there is so many possible outcomes of you know living and dying and mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll get there all right did you save the rachni queen i assume Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. It, you know, it's it's weird when gigantic creatures without like human features speak to you in perfect, beautiful English. It's <laughs> it's funny. That happens <laughs> a mean, lot were, in this game. They were possessing other people to do it, but <laughs> yeah, I guess. So a little story catch up to about this point. We've been learning more and more about what Saren has seen through these. Uh, basically coded messages saying that the Reapers are coming and the Reapers are going to wipe out all organic life. Or maybe it's just all life. Because they take out synthetic too. But anyway, 
We don't really know what the Reapers are. No one believes Shepard. He's just trying to prove himself because he's the only one who's seen these things. And no one wants to believe him. The council is no help. And uh, it never is in media, is it? No. The council never believes the protagonist. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's what, Vermeer? I I think it's Vermeer. So big mission there with Captain Kirihi. Hold the line. Hold the line, Jake. Hold the line. Captain Kirihi? He's the Solarian leading that mission. He gives a pep talk and he says, hold the line. That's his main thing. Okay, I'm going to look this up. (laughs) Our influence stopped the Rachni, but before that, we held the line. Our influence stopped the Krogan, but before that, we held the line. Our influence will stop Saren. In the battle today, we will hold the line. Oh, jeez. I barely remember this. <laughs> okay, it's starting to come back to me now. All right. Let's talk a little little background lore building here, which deep lore building in any series is always so impressive to me. It's like, how did you flesh this world out so well? But... Here on Vermar, we have a confrontation with Rex, our Krogan. He is upset because it looks like Saren is actually working on a cure to the genophage. And he doesn't want to stop that. He wants the cure. And so to go back and talk about the genophage, it has this weight across the whole series. It's just this important backstory where basically what happened is at one point in time, the Rachni were invading everything. They were killing, and the Salarians, I believe, maybe it was a combination of the Salarians and the Turians, they lift up the Krogan from their home planet. Basically, the Krogan, you know, they had they'd never been into space. And they're these just big old warrior turtle-looking aliens. Yep. So they're visited by aliens and say, hey, guess what? There's space civilization exists and uh, we're forcing you into it. Since you're warriors, here's a bunch of weapons and technology. Go kill all these Rachni. And so the Krogan, they rise up. They obliterate the Rachni to near extinction. And through now this prosperity of being kind of free in the galaxy, but also being really destructive because they haven't quite evolved enough yet they are just overbreeding and overpopulating like crazy. And so because of this, the Salarians create the genophage, which was this, I guess, aerosol type virus that they released that basically only makes it so that one in a thousand Krogan children survive birth. And so this is just this weight on the Krogan and it's kind of distracting, I guess their growth as a species because that's kind of all they can focus on is trying to procreate and they can't really spend their mental efforts on anything else. And so they're just kind of stuck in this brutality mindset. And because of that, yeah, lots of uh, ill feelings towards the rest of the universe, I guess from Mm -hmm. the Krogan. So here, oops, smack my mic. Sorry about that here. Rex is upset. He wants a cure to that. And basically you have to confront him and it's either he's going to shoot you or you're going to shoot him. Hmm. 
but you can talk your way out of it if you have enough charisma. So, yep. did you did you spare him? I did because I had enough uh, Paragon to unlock the blue option. Yeah, I don't think it's possible to not have enough at this point in the game. So <laughs> that'd suck if you didn't have a choice. And then, of course, if you can't spare him, Ashley shoots him. And Ashley... Oh, Ashley, of course she does. Space racist. Spacist. Yeah. Yep, if you're not a human, you're you're inferior to her. I can't tell the aliens from the animals. Oof, ouch. <laughs> it's like, come there, on, Ashley. Yeah, I know. There's like more backstory that like gives her reason for being the way she is. And it yeah. makes more sense, but it's also like, I don't care. Same here. She's too yeah. hot-headed. She's a, she's a soldier that you, you picked up from a battle way early on and... Um, yeah, she, she's racist. She doesn't like aliens. And <laughs> that's about which, it. Which is funny. I think the first time I played this game, I romanced her because she was the only human, which I <laughs> guess is space racist on my part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wanted to at first. Like, oh, you know, we, we have a lot in common. Like, oh, she starts talking bad. No way. No way. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can't do this. She's going to sound like this the whole game. Yeah. But here on Vermeer, we have to blow up this Krogan facility, and either Ashley or Caden has to stay behind to detonate the bomb. So Mm -hmm. naturally, Ashley dies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In in both of our choices here. I think this was my (laughs) first time playing the game, at least that I can remember, maybe I'm wrong, but that I actually killed Ashley. Because Mm -hmm. I also don't care about Caden. I don't think he's very interesting either. No, he's not. And I quickly forgot about him, too. But uh, I just thought in the long run, I'd rather... Because he's fine, you know, when he talks. Yeah. He's just he's just a cool dude. I didn't want to keep hearing Ashley's incessant, uh, you know, anti-alien talk. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. She, she dies there. So then that leads to... I think it's Ilos is what it's called. I, I, I could be saying the wrong planet's... But it, regardless, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's so many and planets. <laughs> so this is where we get big old exposition dump, where I guess up to this point we find out that the ship that Saren has is named Sovereign, and it's not a ship. It is a Reaper. And it's just this massive, basically robotic space squid. It indoctrinates people by being near it. It coerces people to see its point of view, to join and be mind-controlled, essentially. So we meet Vigil on this planet, and he tells us so much, so much stuff about the backstory of the Protheans. So the Protheans are the aliens that came before our generation. They were the last ones to be wiped out by the Reapers, and they left us a bunch of breadcrumbs to help try to understand these things better. And so he's the last intelligence, uh, just a computer program, who gives you lots of info. You're surrounded by these cryotubes of Protheans who uh, their life support has run out. So they're not there anymore. I think this was a, a pretty cool little twist. I mean, I guess it was already a twist that Sovereign was a Reaper and not a ship. But then we find out the reason the Protheans died is because the Reapers have a backdoor Mass Effect relay into the Citadel. So then they, they sneak into the Citadel, essentially, kill everyone there, and then society kind of falls apart without the Citadel, and then they just kind of spread out there from there in a war of attrition, and 
just kill the entire galaxy, right? It's very dark, but it, it, it's so interesting, so engaging. There, I, there is such a weight at that moment, especially as you get back in your the Mako and are trying to floor it to that Mass Effect relay while tons of Geth are shooting at you to, to get to the Citadel and, and stop that from happening. Sorry, I just said a lot. Jake's just smiling at me. I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can't remember all the exact details of what happened at this point. But yeah, that's I part mean, of what I'm trying to I'm trying to help you remember. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. It's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the uh, experience. Mass Effect One did not have the uh, impact that it did or that Two had, but uh, right. I think, like, ultimately. The emotional weight to one is still great, especially in the back half of the game. It takes a while to get going, but yeah. once it all starts unraveling, I, I was just in it. Like, it's really hard to stop after you are on Ilos, or I guess <laughs> af- no, after you sacrifice Kane or Ashley, the, the game's just rolling. Like, it's really hard to stop from that point. Yeah, that is kind of a turning point. I do remember that things did get a lot more intriguing at that point. But my focus towards the end of the game was to get to two because I remember you <laughs> telling me how incredible two was compared to one. It's so much better. It's it's unreal how much better it is. But yes. uh, so in, in this final climax, we, we confront Saren. You can convince him to kill himself before the boss fight, which basically makes it half the fight. Like if he doesn't shoot himself, you have to fight Saren and then fight his possessed body that uh, Sovereign has taken over. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's a situation where there's no way you don't have enough charisma or intimidation to make that happen where he mm-hmm. realizes, oh, okay, yeah, I, I am being controlled and I'm an idiot for having this happen to me. So when this big space battle happens during this fight, the council, the council's out on their ship and throughout the whole game, the council has been a thorn in your side of just not believing you and being very unhelpful so you can decide do you save them or just spare your human resources and let them die what did you do i saved them okay (laughs) i did i thought like hey this might be the perfect way to uh (laughs) say like i told you so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think this was the first time i ever saved them yeah. I always let them die on previous playthroughs, and I, I thought the game kind of steered you towards that because they haven't mm-hmm. been good to you. And it's clear before you make that choice that saving them will cost human lives. Mm-hmm. That part of that fleet is going to die to save them. And so it's just like, oh, nope, don't care. And uh, it, it's pretty brutal because they're calling for help, calling for help. And then they're like, uh, they cut off communications. No one's coming to, to save us. And so, yeah, the uh, Destiny Ascension, their ship gets blown up. And I forget the major impact of that. Obviously, there's a new council in place in two, but they're still relatively the same. I think they just make more comments about how you let them die. Mm. I, yeah, I think behavior just on the Citadel is more negative towards you for having mm. let them die. But of course. Someone's always after Shepard, no matter what he does. Mm -hmm. He can't make everyone happy, unfortunately. So from there, really the last choice that we have any weight 
to is uh, who do you choose for your counselor? The human counselor. Do you remember what you did? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> All right. So there's uh, <laughs> there's Captain Anderson, who's been our in our corner the whole game, and then there's Chancellor Udina, who is just a cliche politician. Ah, uh, I yep yep I remember this. I chose Captain Anderson. Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't choose Anderson because Udina's not very nice throughout this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't <laughs> know why you would choose him. There's probably some like achievement, right? Or benefit to doing that. There's a lot of completion type achievements with this game. Yeah, that could be. So, I mean, that kind of covers the story. And apologies, we we did mean to make this cover one and two. But no, this is we're only going to talk about one today. Sorry yeah. about that. One <laughs> too long. But that just means our thoughts will be even more organized to talk about two. And there's honestly, there's so much more to say about Mass Effect 2. Mm. Let's talk about just some of the relationships in one in your crew. Because we mm-hmm. can get Tally, Liara, Garrus, Ashley or Caden, well, both of them for a while, and Rex. So in the first one, mm. without letting your knowledge of them in two influence your judgment, who was like your, your favorite crew in the first one? Uh, favorite crew? Like, person yeah. that I just went to go talk to the most. Sure. Well, okay. Other than the choice that I, of who I wanted to make my girlfriend, uh, uh-huh. I just kind of talked to everyone the same because I knew that there was a lot of um, backstory. So, every time there was a mission, I just, like, exhaust all the options so I could learn everything about everyone. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was always a toss-up between uh, Tali and Liara. I, yeah. I eventually just thought, like, okay, Liara. She's been the nicest to me and... Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. So she became my girlfriend in this game. Oh, well, that's so, that's so sweet. Yeah, I, I don't like how in the first one that pretty much everyone is just down like in the armory. <laughs> and yeah. it's just, you know, it's visually boring. You have a loading screen of the elevator to go talk uh-huh. to them. So it definitely improves in the future games in terms of the conversations and what's happening on the ship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mostly just talk to Liara, and if you keep talking to them, you do kind of get a loyalty quest mm-hmm. in Mass Effect 1 where they will send you on a mission of, of some work they needed done. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever done all of them before, but mm. okay. Garrus's, I did do Garrus's this time, and it's like the same as his loyalty quest in 2. They just kind of recycled his <laughs> his mission. It's like, that's lame. Well, he's a popular character with with the players, so they could they yeah. get away with that. I guess, or maybe they're like, "Oh yeah, no one really understood it the first game, so let's try it again." Cool. Other, other than Liara, I always talked to Joker because he always had goofy things to say. Oh, Joker's just, great. Yeah, always just you know goofy one liners and his brittle bones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> always has an opinion about everything. Yeah, and voiced by Seth Green. So. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, you funny. didn't? Nope. I-, I prefer gold to silver, you know, for my metal. I figured you'd recommend me for one since I uh, hold your boots out of the fire. Saving my boots from burning lava is part of your job, Joker. We don't give medals to soldiers for doing their jobs. That figures. Just get me a nice card and a cake. No coconut, though. I hate that crap. So, Commander, why don't you tell me why you're really here? I have to go. Great character. A- and it gets... Better and better from there. But 
let's talk about the, the relationship choice in this game. It's very little option, really, in Mass Effect 1. Mm-hmm. If you're playing as a male at Shepard, you can choose between Ashley and Liara. If you're mm-hmm. playing as a female Shepard, you can choose between Caden and Liara. And the way that Liara is a choice twice, like, sure, maybe that, that's for the sake of inclusion. But also, it's just kind of the backstory of the Asari, uh-huh. and, which is her alien's species. The Asari are all female, mm-hmm. and they can bond with any alien. And there's this interesting theory that you can pick up in Mass Effect 2. Do you remember this part? Uh, you're on some... The, the planet Liara's on into mm-hmm. and there's these guys having a bachelor party and they're talking about the asari dancing in front of them yeah so it's like a salarian a human and a turian uh-huh and they all kind of make a comment on like why are the asari so attractive and they all kind of say because they look like us <laughs> and so it's like do the asari manipulate the way they're seen oh. to be attractive to that species so maybe we don't actually know what they really look like wouldn't surprise me because they are incredibly attuned with it kind of seems like the arcane arts <laughs> like yeah. they, they, they're very mysterious but they can like harness all this power like every mission with any with any of them you see that mm-hmm. huh that's interesting and so the first time i played this i i chose ashley as who to romance and part of that is because in just mass effect one like if without looking at liara's whole arc through three Looking at her through three, I have a better picture of who she is. In the first one, she's very timid and mm. soft-spoken. And sure, she's very nice to you and very helpful, but she just, you know, lacked the the charisma. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was kind of easy to choose Ashley the first time. I've always regretted that. But I, I think I've told you this. is uh, <laughs> I, I always hated this, where the first game, I chose Ashley. Then the second one, Miranda. And then in the third one, went back to Ashley. Even though I wanted to go to Liara, I chose Ashley just because even though I had played one and two multiple times before three had come out and chosen Liara in the past, but it's like, I want to be faithful to my first playthrough. Mm -hmm. And since I started it with Ashley, I'll finish it with Ashley since that's an option again in a third game. And just bad, bad decision. I feel feel dumb saying this uh, on a recording, but like I think Liara is the closest I've ever had to like just actually being in love with a figment of my imagination, right? <laughs> but that's just how well it's written and the character development and just how immersive it really is that it's awesome that that can have such an impact on you. Yeah, for sure. It lends itself to the story and the awesome writing. It engulfs you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I've not really remembered a ton about the first game, but the second game was much more fulfilling for me. <laughs> well, good. That I think that's a great teaser for what's to come. So apologies for, I guess, not really knowing what we were doing here structurally. But you know what? <laughs> that's OK, because that gives us more time next episode to talk about two. And again, I didn't think we'd talk long about one, but. There's so much engaging story and the graphics haven't aged well. The gameplay has not aged well, but <laughs> overall it's still such an engrossing game and did something incredible in kicking off this series and building this 
space opera that I, I will never forget. And it's incredible what this series has done. And it all started with this game. That it has. It's been fun. This is a good discussion. Good. I'm glad yep. you enjoyed it. Yeah, I think a lot of times I was talking, then I just looked at Jake in silence. I think he was he was looking at his dialogue wheel, trying to decide which one to hit. Yes, except uh, <laughs> some, uh, you can't pause during the dialogue wheel, can you? Can you? <laughs> no, you can. You can just it just sits up there the whole time. They ask you a question, and you can just think as long as you want. Yeah, never. There's never any time, but like they just you stare at the screen. <laughs> Well, I like, you know, Google YouTube videos to see the reactions for different ones. And you finally say it. <laughs> it's great. Oh, oh, did you uh, punch the reporter? Not, no, I didn't. But I know you oh, did. I, I always hit her. I couldn't bring myself to like as much of a horrible person as she is. I could never I couldn't do it. I remember it's going through this a couple so times. It's so funny. It's just so funny. Yeah, I'm tired of is. your disingenuous assertions. Is that what Shepard says? That's something he would say. Yeah. <laughs> that is so something he'd say. Holy cow. Or your snide remarks. Something like that. But anyway, it's so good. So I won't promise that next episode is Mass Effect 2, but that episode will be coming soon. Get excited. You know what? Go play it. Go it. play the Legendary Collection. It is fantastic. So good. And it's got all the DLC built in and everything. So cool. True. Make sure you devote the time to it, though. Don't just play it casually. There's a lot to to digest. But I think it's also the way I've always played these games is I just play them hard, like, all weekend, where <laughs> I'll still put in, like, 24 hours in a weekend, but I just can't pull myself away, especially in 2 and 3. It was so hard for me to stop 3 because I finished 2, and then Jake was still working on finishing 2, and I wanted to go right into three, and I played like the first mission, but it's like, no, I need to keep my mind fresh on two so I can talk to him about it, and then that way we can go through three together. But oh, any, anyway, I should go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for this discussion, Cameron. This was fun. I'm looking forward to talking about two as well. All right. Until then, contact us if you want at regionunlockedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. My name's Cameron. My name's Jake. And this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> Bye, everybody. You're not going to say Minas on Sayonara? No. I thought for once I'd do it in English. <laughs> See ya. See ya.